Chapter Twelve of That Affair at Portstead Manor by Gladys Edson Locke. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. The Dressing Table Drawer. Burton was right this time. It was her ladyship. She seemed unnaturally pale in her black frock, and her eyes held a questioning fear. What is the meaning of this? This intrusion? she demanded in a high, tense voice. Mr. Clavering flushed guiltily and avoided her accusing glance. Mary Grey looked slightly self-reproachful, but Burton appeared not a whit dismayed. "'We're still on the hunt for clues, my lady,' he spoke up easily. "'But what? What could you hope to find in this closed wing? And how did you come here?' Her agitation was extreme. Burton stepped nearer, and said, with what seemed to Mr. Clavering rather brutal emphasis, "'Since your ladyship has the key to the corridor door, there is only one other way we could have come, by the secret passage from the room where Lady Pevensey's necklace was stolen.' The bolt shot home. Lady Ursula quivered, but with a manifest effort drew herself up haughtily and returned Burton glance for glance. Coldly, she remarked, I suppose I must excuse the incursions of a detective, no matter where mistaken zeal or mere idle curiosity may lead him, but I am surprised that you, Mr. Clavering, should be willing to accompany him to a part of the manner which I have expressly let it be known was not open to my guests. Miss Grey best knows what is her excuse for joining you. Mary Grey accepted her rebuke in silence, but Mr. Clavering attempted a lengthy apology, in which he became hopelessly involved. Lady Ursula cut him short. "'It really doesn't matter, Mr. Clavering,' she said wearily. "'Only I am disappointed in you. That is all.' She turned again to Burton, and her tone was hostile. "'I think, sir, I have a right to ask what presumable clues you have found in this closed section of my house.' Burton appeared a little nonplussed by her change of manner she had succeeded in subduing all visible emotion and now with the great lady's air of calm and subtly convincing superiority was making him feel himself an unwanted and unworthy intruder but his abashment was only momentary in the exercise of what he conceived his duty he would never permit himself to be long humbled and so summoning back his assurance he sought by his customary bulldog pertinacity to break down the barrier of class hauteur she had interposed between them and to put her again upon the defensive. "'Well, my lady,' he drawled, with a gleam in his eyes at variance with his languid tone, "'you shall judge for yourself whether my clues are presumable or not. In this closed section of your house, to be exact, in the chamber to which the secret passage from Lady Pevensey's former room leads, I find a bed, carefully made up, but showing evidences of having been slept in. Behind the curtains of this bed I find a bottle of liniment and some bandages, and in the dressing-room opening off this chamber a pitcher, half filled with fresh water, that is, it could not have been standing over a day at the very most. If Burton had expected to see her quiver again, he was disappointed. "'And that is all you found?' she inquired, with quiet contempt. "'No, my lady, that is not all.' Burton's tone was decidedly brutal now. "'There was a truckle-bed pushed under the larger bed,' Rolled up in the blankets, I found a crutch, broken in two. Uh, a crutch? She was moved now. She put forth a trembling hand and steadied herself against the Jacobean writing-table. Something impelled Burton to glance down at its dust-covered surface, and he gave a start of surprise. On it, clear and distinct, was the imprint of a hand, a hand short and somewhat broad, with widened fingertips. He called Lady Ursula's attention to it with a ring of triumph in his voice. "'Another clue, my lady!' She looked down at it, caught her breath sharply, 
slipped her hand along the table, and the imprint was obliterated. Burton regarded her with a sardonic smile. "'That won't do, my lady. Miss Gray, you'll bear in mind, and you too, Mr. Clavering, the smallness of that hand and its peculiar shape. That last characteristic, of course, might have been exaggerated by pressure upon the table, which would account for the wideness of the fingertips. The person who made that imprint was probably unsteady on his feet.' "'And what do you hope to prove from all this?' demanded Lady Ursula scornfully. "'Just what you hope to conceal, my lady.' "'And that is?' Her challenging scorn so exasperated Burton that he almost forgot his professional caution. "'That a man with a remarkably small hand,' he growled, "'has been hidden here in this north wing, with your ladyship's knowledge and connivance.' "'I shall be interested to see how you will prove that,' she retorted evenly. Burton swore between his teeth. Mary Grey smiled at him unsympathetically, and Mr. Clavering felt utterly bewildered. Was it possible that Lady Ursula failed to realize the danger in which Robert stood through Burton's thinly-veiled accusations? The more suspicion was pointed his way, the more composed she became. It was all very well to persuade oneself that Robert was innocent. It was another thing, as he knew, to persuade the world. The more he thought of it, the less tenable appeared his own theory of the little lame man. Robert Sylvester, like all the men of his family, had small and delicate hands, more like a woman's than a man's. In spite of himself, Burton's conviction was beginning to force itself upon him. He had no doubt that Lady Ursula knew who had been concealed in the North Wing, and what man would she be likely to conceal there, save her dearly loved scapegrace brother whom, from her childhood days, she had always shielded from deserved punishment. Burton brusquely broke the strained silence that had fallen upon them. "'There are no more clues to be found here,' he said with curt conviction. "'And, with your ladyship's permission, I'll go down by the stairs you came up.' Lady Ursula flushed at the insolence of his tone. "'I think you will not wait for my permission,' she said in a choked voice. Mary Grey, moved by a sudden impulse, laid her hand on Lady Ursula's arm. "'Believe me, Lady Ursula, I am very sorry,' she said earnestly. I know how distressing all this must be for you. Mr. Clavering had not supposed her capable of womanly sympathy, and he was accordingly surprised. Lady Ursula seemed touched. The hard light in her eyes softened. Thank you, she murmured gratefully. That detective is such a brute. He is just a human bloodhound, to be sure, assented Mary Grey. But you must not think that all detectives are so devoid of feeling. I do not think of them at all, responded Lady Ursula wearily except that they are probing my very heart with their merciless questioning i am sorry said mary gray again i wish that you might be spared and regretfully she followed burton mr clavering stood by ill at ease and at a loss for words lady ursula addressed him vexedly i suppose that detective has been told your wild goose tale of the gypsy who came into your room and then escaped through the library door locking it after her i gave you my word lady ursula he responded in an aggrieved tone, that I would inform no one of the fact. She bit her lip. You persist in the story, then? Lady Ursula, it has received corroboration. I saw the woman again this morning. You? You saw her this morning? Gravely he told of the encounter on the lonely woodland road, omitting only that the child had given him her name and place of dwelling. Why he did not tell this he could not have explained to himself. Lady Ursula was unable to conceal her agitation. "'You are sure the man did not follow them?' she amazed him by asking. "'Perfectly sure. 
he skulked off into the woods as soon as i came up something in his appearance puzzled me i think that i have seen him before he studied her tense face a moment lady ursula he questioned with sudden inspiration have you any idea who the man could be lady ursula glanced at him startled then she echoed with a forbearing smile have i any idea who the man could be my dear mr clavering i did not even see him mr clavering humbled and abashed meekly agreed to her suggestion that they descend to the lower floor by means of the secret corridor though he had vowed when passing through it that he would never again be inveigled into it i have a curiosity to explore this corridor she remarked it seems that my guests and the officials of scotland yard know more of the manor than i do myself mr clavering could not control a blush of conscious guilt he felt that he had irretrievably damaged his reputation as a gentleman by thus prying into his hostess's private concerns and that no amount of excuses or apologies could reinstate him in her esteem or his own he decided then and there that the tracking of criminals was not work for a gentleman and was best left to those on the fringe of society lady ursula broke in upon his resolutions where is the entrance to this interesting passage mr clavering she inquired with a show of eagerness yet there was a hint of a false note in her voice and mr clavering felt strongly perturbed as he drew aside the tapestry in the bedchamber and revealed the passageway beyond lady ursula murmured something about the sight of that passage giving her quite a creepy medieval feeling and protested that she should have to rely on mr clavering for guidance through it but it struck him after a few steps in the dark stuffiness of the corridor that she might make the better guide of the two for whereas he was constantly stumbling and bumping his head at some unexpected turning she walked along unscathed and with even footfall at length to his relief they stepped out into lady pevensey's former chamber and lady ursula carefully closed after them the panel in the massive frame of the fireplace as though unwilling that others should share the secret of the passageway and so you think she remarked with a forced lightness of manner that your gypsy woman came through here into this room i am not at all certain he answered guardedly that the person who came into this room was the gypsy whom i later saw at the library door this unexpected reply startled her what do you mean she cried you talk in paradoxes mr clavering cleared his throat impressively his self-possession was returning and with it his detective zeal <clears throat> this is what i mean to convey lady ursula i grasped the hands of the person who came into this room and they were the hands of a lady soft and slender one who did not know might accuse you of being a connoisseur in the texture of ladies hands she interrupted with a nervous laugh but pray may not an occasional gypsy have soft and slender hands it is possible he admitted but this particular one has not i took a special notice of her hands this morning they were large and coarse moreover i do not now think that she is a gypsy indeed with a smile of half amused annoyance what do you think she is an italian an italian lady ursula's brows drew together italians are a rarity in this sleepy little village i should sooner think her a gypsy but i am still inclined to believe that your nocturnal adventure was mostly nightmare and that when you saw that woman this morning gypsy or whatever she may be your fancy invested her with the face of your dream-woman no mr clavering said emphatically i am a prosaic man i do not indulge in flights of fancy and nightmare as i have assured you i have never been addicted to 
Lady Ursula shrugged impatiently. "'As you will, then. But what possible reason could any woman, gypsy or lady, have for coming into your chamber at that hour of night? Have you found anything missing, or even out of place?' Mr. Clavering pondered. "'Ah!' he exclaimed suddenly. "'The dressing-table drawer! Lady Ursula, when I got up in the dark to search for that woman, I discovered in a—er, rather painful fashion— that the dressing-table drawer was wide open, although it had been tightly shut when I went to bed. Lady Ursula showed intense interest. Well, she demanded breathlessly, and what did you do then? I closed it. I did not wish to come into contact with it again. When I returned from the library, I was so disturbed by what had happened that I entirely forgot about the drawer until this moment. But it must have been opened for some purpose, she suggested. That is so, he agreed. But Lady Pevensey left nothing in it. I examined it myself directly after the necklace was stolen. He crossed to the dressing-table and opened the drawer. You can see for yourself. It is— He stopped short, astounded. The necklace! he cried. Lady Ursula, look here! She sprang to his side as he drew from the drawer and held up in the sunlight a magnificent chain of diamonds, a circlet of living fire. Large, perfect, rainbow-flamed were the gems— jewels worthy, indeed, a king's ransom. Tears of joy and relief shone in Lady Ursula's dark eyes. "'Thank heaven! Thank heaven!' she murmured. "'It is Lady Pevensey's necklace, and not a stone missing!' Mr. Clavering still held the gleaming crystals dazedly aloft. "'How did this get back in the drawer?' he was asking for the dozenth time. "'What does it matter how, as long as it did?' exclaimed Lady Ursula impatiently. "'Lady Pevensey must be told at once. She will be mad with joy.' Mr. Clavering collected himself at mention of Lady Pevensey. "'I will take the necklace to her immediately,' he said, advancing to the door with alacrity. At that moment the door opposite opened, and Lord Meldrum stepped into the hall. He caught sight of Lady Ursula, and of the necklace in Mr. Clavering's hand, and a glance, fraught with significance, flashed between them. Lady Ursula brushed by Mr. Clavering, and flung out appealing hands to Meldrum. "'Wilford, no news yet of Robert. And that horrible Burton will never rest till he has hounded him to despair. What am I to do?' Meldrum caught her hands and held them firmly. "'Trust to me, Ursula. Robert shall be saved from arrest, at least.' She smiled at him, a tremulous, grateful smile. "'I knew you would not let the poor boy suffer. Oh, Wilford!' she broke off sobbing this awful thing is tearing my heart in two meldrum drew her into his arms kissed her with grave tenderness released her and walked away his face white and grim in its determination End of chapter twelve